Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. Tim Alanius here, and I'm excited to spend the next 20 minutes or so bringing you a new conversation with an industry expert from Big Commerce, Sean Callahan. We'll be sharing insights from the past to apply in the present to achieve success in the future. While you might not see us if you're listening through your favorite podcast app, just think of this as the motivational poster in your ear. Today, we are going to center the conversation around the evolution of B2B businesses in e-commerce over the last year and a half. Before we dive into the conversation, though, let's have a quick introduction from our guest, Sean from Big Commerce. Thanks, Tim. Um, my name is Sean. I'm on the agency partnership team here at Big Commerce. I've been with Big Commerce for a little over a year now. Prior to that, I spent about six years at an e-commerce agency working with merchants and partners alike. So I've been in this space for quite a while. I'm excited to talk to you guys today. A little bit about Big Commerce, just a quick elevator pitch if you're not familiar with us. Um, we're an open SaaS e-commerce platform. So what that means is we kind of bring together the best of both worlds, the ability to customize and the flexibility of open source and the ease of use, security, low total cost of ownership of SaaS. And we bring those together by opening up our platform via API endpoints um, currently, about 95% of our platform is open and accessible. What really that does is allow merchants and agencies to build really anything that they can imagine to customize the, the power that we bring to the table, but also um, any kind of use cases, integrations, really allow merchants to grow and scale with our platform. Um, both for what they need to achieve today and are hoping to achieve uh, at any point in the future, really helping mitigate the, the need to migrate every couple of years, which has so often been the case in the past. So a little bit about us, a little bit about me, excited to be here. So thanks again for having me. Absolutely. We're excited to have you here for the conversation today. So uh, our topic for today is really centered around uh, what big commerce does best, and that's e-commerce. And I think we want to kind of hone in on especially the B2B side of e-commerce today and and just really talk about just what we've seen in the past year and a half or so and really talk through some lessons learned. I think that uh, last year, with the surge of e-commerce, with how the pandemic impacted uh, retailers and, and e-commerce sites alike, uh, just B2B really had this aspect of just entering into a marketplace at a much faster acceleration than I think a lot of them planned for. So uh, I just want to kind of open up with talking about just that surge of e-commerce stores that were stood up uh, last year especially, and just kind of what are some ideas of you know, what they had to tackle then to what they might be needing to apply here in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously this past year or so has been nothing that anybody could have predicted. I think the statistics out there is just you've seen an acceleration of e-commerce adoption, both B2C and B2B, that is just years ahead of where people had predicted it would be. What you're really seeing is the people that had already had the ball in motion, that already had an e-commerce set up in place, or were already starting to implement um, a digital aspect to their business, really had a leg up and were able to capitalize on the shifts of how people were shopping and how people expected to shop. Um, and it really set them up nicely, not without hiccups. A lot of people were learning as they went last year. Um, I think historically, and big commerce can attest to this, we have, were built as a B2C platform. 
a lot of the features and functionality that are that are native and out of the box were were put in place to help merchants that were selling to consumers. Um, and that's our origin story. That's many of people's origin stories. Um, but as more B2B companies were coming online and shifting the way that they were doing business, um, our platform has evolved and we've seen these, these merchants and distributors, manufacturers, everybody kind of evolve at the same time. There's still a long way to go. I think a, a statistic I saw in 2018, and I know that's a couple of years back, but the B2B space um, or market cap in the US is around 1.8 trillion. Only 17% of that was conducting business online. So fast forward to the pandemic hitting and people were pretty much forced to do business online. So what you saw was primarily a relationship driven industry that is B2B with salespeople calling and visiting people, building those relationships to sell in that mechanism. Now they don't have that. They can't walk into a business and shake hands because of the pandemic and all the restrictions that are put into place. So they're scurrying, they're trying to figure out, hey, how do we conduct business? How do we keep the lights on? How do we not lose traction in the marketplace given this new world that we're operating in? So the ones that had success kind of already had some of that in place. Um, the people that didn't, it was probably a, law, a big learning curve. Um, I would imagine that if you didn't have e-commerce already in place before the pandemic was happening, that you were just scurrying to try to maintain the level of business you were doing and you didn't see a lot of growth. The people that did see growth are the ones that already had this mechanism in place that allowed them to meet their shoppers where they were, which was locked away in quarantine or not able to go into the office. And so they had that online presence to allow them to shop. And I think we're seeing more merchants, more agencies, our platform continue to evolve and cater to the B2B merchants um, and customers that are more and more trying to do business online. Um, and that is being been accelerated by the pandemic, which I think was inevitable to say the least, but here we are and now we can kind of talk about what does it look like? How are they doing this business? And what does that need to continue to evolve and look like going forward into the future to be successful as well? Yeah, no, ex excellent point, Sean. And, and you brought up a, uh, a, a great start uh, to this as well of just looking at some, you know, stats that have been out there. And, and there's a great article that Big Commerce actually put out about B2B e-commerce trends. And going back even further than 2018, back in 2015, as your guys' article states, Google found that close to half of B2B buyers were millennials, nearly doubling the number from 2012. And I think that has only increased since then, right? I mean, 2015 was feels like ages ago for me. But overall, um, the typical B2B buyer is changing, right? And that's just the natural progression of the workforce. But the overall approach that I think big commerce also saw was just a change in business sales process as well. And that includes both what you do as a uh, SaaS solution provider for commerce software and entering that B2B space much more. B2B companies, as you mentioned, having to adopt into this and especially at a, a rapid pace last year. Um, but that, that audience is an interesting factor to me. And, and I've, I've heard a lot of talks about just generational and audience generations and, and how Gen X versus Gen Y and millennials and baby boomers overall look at all of this. But I think one of the key things here is just the evolution of your software and the audience that's using it. So right, while there's the audience that's purchasing right from B2B uh, buyers and, and, and B2B companies, 
What is that looking like at big commerce? How are you preparing from originally being more of a B2C focus to be more B2B focused? Is it new tools you're adding? What's what's some ways that you're addressing that? Yeah, so great point. Um, the millennials are definitely starting to help shift how B2B business is done. Um, and this is something that will continue to evolve, but they're so used to everything being at their fingertips. Um, I myself, I'm a millennial, but probably on like the early stages. So sometimes I cringe depending on how people I'm are the talking same. about millennials, yep, yep. but I, it's I, happening, right? I'm an old soul millennial. I, I stole that phrase from our director of marketing. She was awesome when she said it, but I'm like, well, you know, I don't really relate to millennials, but you know. I guess right. I am one according to the years that they say when people were born, but I like the, I'm an old soul millennial. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Same here. So, uh, it's interesting, right? Like I remember when I got, we got our first laptop in the house and that was such a big deal. And I ran to plug it into the phone line to make sure nobody else was taking up the internet bandwidth and, and all that fun stuff. I didn't have my own cell phone until I was well into high school, but now I mean, people are just expecting and they have everything at their fingertips. More people are doing research. Um, nobody wants to get on the phone um, and talk to somebody until they have everything that they need and maybe they're ready to make a purchase. And even then, if they don't have to get on the phone, they don't want to. So big commerce and e-commerce in general needs to cater to that so that the people that are allowing shoppers to interact like that are probably getting the lion's share of business. If not yet, they will because the, the shoppers, the millennials, the B2B buyers will realize, Hey, I can do business the way I want to do over here. So if your business isn't catering to me, then I have all of these options at my fingertips. I'm going to take it somewhere else. So our job is to help provide that platform for sellers to create that user experience that's going to help the shoppers um, conduct business the way that they want to. Um, obviously, there's such a large way, a large swath of ways that people want to do business and the tools that are needed to them. So it's going to be a work in progress. What we allow um, agencies to build and merchants to build on our platform um, Currently, we have features that come out of the box that can check a lot of the boxes for B2B businesses. But like I mentioned earlier, we are open, right? Like we continue to open different API endpoints to allow you to customize even further what's available to you and build all sorts of unique um, use cases and workflows to conduct your business. Uh, just some of the features that we have natively out of the box that allow businesses to conduct um, B2B buying and selling on our platform Stuff like price lists, customer groups, um, draft orders, promotions, faceted search, a lot of different things that um, combined can create unique user experiences by giving shoppers what they're accustomed to by interacting with merchants and sellers on a one-on-one -on -one basis, whether that's unique pricing, um, multiple ways to check out and conduct business, um, you know, personalizing the experience for them. What does that catalog look like? Are there unique um, factors from product information that need to be known, displaying inventory count. I know that's a huge one, knowing exactly how many um, pieces of inventory are on hand because a lot of B2B buyers are buying in bulk. So the last thing you want to do is create bottlenecks by people purchasing more than you have available and just creating all sorts of headaches. So we allow a certain bit of B2B functionality out of the box and that'll continue to evolve and grow. But those endpoints also allow partners like you guys and other agencies 
um, to, to further extend what we do currently and natively um, to solve all different types of use cases as well. Yeah, no, great point. Yeah, and that is something that AmericanEagle.com has been uh, working on with big commerce is this rock for big commerce B2B. And uh, overall, it's just mm-hmm. a, a great extension of B2B specific functionality uh, layered on top of big commerce and utilizing those APIs and the, the ability to connect in to do that the more specific B2B needs that an organization may have. So it's a very exciting product. I know it's been great working with the big commerce team and developing that uh, and excited for that to get into more hands. And uh, we, we have a lot of customers, both B2C and B2B on big commerce who have really just seen a growth that uh, just comes along with a platform that is continuing to evolve based on the needs. And, and that's something I think too, that what we've been seeing is that, that relationship selling aspect, you, you mentioned, just the some of the processes that are in place there, but um, you know, really, this new generation of buyer is setting those changing expectations overall, and it's great to see how big commerce uh, listens to the need and and plans in the roadmap of the product how to add that functionality in or provide the hooks in to extend it to where it needs to be uh, for individual organizations. And I I think that's a key thing here is just you know in kind of future thinking a little bit is that personalization side of things, right? So it's it's not a one size fits all, right? There's kind of a foundation that you can utilize, but there is a need to still curate to your specific organization's needs and then your specific customers as an organization. And, and in this B2B world, I think that's even more critical because as we have the buyers change, a lot of those younger generations desire that personalized experience. And it's, it's remembering me. I can uh, transact on my phone, different payment methods that are more widely accepted. Just talk to me a little bit about how big commerce is, is addressing kind of where the, the direction of that buyer and those functionality uh, needs are, are going. Yeah. So a lot of different ways to, to un- unpack that. So, there's so many different use cases of B2B, like how would you even define B2B um, like definitively, right? Like there's different nuances to it. There's B2C merchants that are deciding to open a B2B channel and sell wholesale to different um, customers as well. And they can do that with our platform, right? By using the customers. So you can have somebody land on our site that's, you know, ready to sell b2c and they're shopping for themselves as an end consumer then that same merchant can also be catering to the b2b audience by displaying products pricing information um, to them uniquely by you know they can sign in you can create a whole new user group that that says hey i'm here to shop b2b so i'm going to get this certain pricing range you can give them um, geographic restrictions you can give them let me pause right there tim i went down a rabbit hole and- no worries no 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 <laughs> it's it, it's a good rabbit hole and and i think that the the geographic restrictions let's pick up on that and and really just talk about how there is a need especially in the b2b space for where you have areas of responsibility aors and the limitation of selling certain product into specific areas and a, a B2B organization wants to maintain that or you have sellers that represent specific regions and that personalization is key there because you want to make sure that your your website and your digital property experiences deliver on what the end user needs to see and engage with because 
heaven forbid that if I log into an e-commerce portal on a B2B site and I get the wrong sales rep to contact and I end up calling versus calling never happens anymore. It's like, you know, all those email threads that come across is like email is dead. Calling is dead. I mean, some people still pick up the phone. Younger generations, they want to chat. You you mentioned it earlier. It's just how do we look to bring that personalized experience? And And remember me. Right. If I start having repeat orders, how do we bring in some of the advanced technology, some of the machine learning and artificial intelligence in order to say, hey, you know what, you're a repeat customer. I'm going to tell you at a certain point and, and, and trigger a marketing automation to send out to you, hey, it's about time to refill this or you commonly order this at this time of year. Seasonality is critical there. And I think that's a, a great way to extend the e-commerce capabilities and, and some of the different uh, aspects of how you can integrate into big commerce for having uh, just a, a new level of marketing automation that goes out to those B2B buyers. I, I think about parts and inventory. You mentioned inventory earlier is just you know, the, the the parts that you need to have on hand for certain uh, repair features, or if you have, uh, you know, uh, a mobile fleet and you have to supply those parts for keeping them going. Uh, and I think last year, everyone learned about inventory and supply chain shortages and challenges with what happened. And if you don't have that inventory, then what are you going to do? And, and, and you also mentioned the importance of accuracy there. And, and it's just so critical because if I need 15 parts, but you've only got 10, I'm five short. What's that going to do to me? What's that going to do to my business? And that's where keeping those systems together and connected is so critical. Um, I'm going down my own rabbit hole now. So it's, you know, we'll, yeah. just, we'll, 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 we'll just keep digging them like, next to each other here. and our tunnels will eventually connect here. But um, let's kind of back up for a yeah, minute just, here. And yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I mean, that's that's kind of the, the craziness, but the beauty of B2B is there's so many nuances and complexities to it. And I think that's what's historically shied people away from how do we make this work in an e-commerce world? Like, how do I serve this up and make it so that users want to do business with me online, but also my team here at my company is not alienated and can conduct business more efficiently. Um, Marketing to B2B buyers is completely different now. I mean, the millennials are so used to just doing their research, right? Like they go online on their phone, like you mentioned, and just start looking at all the information that they need to make a decision before ultimately deciding what brand to interact with to, to make that purchase. So the, the B2B merchant that can most accurately display all of that information on their site, whether that be education on what their product does and why you need it and how many you need. Um, product photography is something that I felt has always lacked historically in the B2B space. A lot of people just see it as like, you know, I'm just going to throw up pictures that I've got and, and that'll be it. But the more that you can paint the picture of like, this is an experience and I am the only place you need to go um, and just look like the authority in your space, the less need buyers are going to have to jump around and try to figure out everywhere that they, they need to go to be properly educated on making a decision couple that with automation, right? Like we want them to, to seamlessly be able to buy in bulk, um, not have to guess about what tax is going to be like in their area, what shipping is going to look like. Um, the pandemic, to your point, went uh, and t- really dismantled and like created a ton of headaches 
with logistics and getting product out the door into people on time. So I think at pretty much some point, everyone was affected by that. And so the ones that were transparent and were able to like lay that out and have superior customer service to work with their buyers to say, hey, here's where we're at. Here's what to expect. We're still here for you. Like that's where the relationship game of shaking somebody's hand and meeting with them face to face is kind of morphed into where we're at in 2021 and where we're going to continue to go. And that's creating that trust and creating that level of transparency and education that your website can display that typically and historically was just somebody getting on the phone and talking to you because that's pretty much a way of the past at this point. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you hit on a couple of things there that I want to kind of unpack further. And with that is one, just imagery. I think that uh, a lot of people associate B2C with rich imagery and just the, the true need for it, but B2B has just as much for it. And there's different approaches to imagery. And, and just on our last podcast, we talked about that with 3Kit CEO and just how 3Kit really mm-hmm. provides a different level of immersive experiences. And I think that that can come into play in the B2B space just as much as in the B2C space. I know it's usually B2C is going to be the, the division or segment that is going to tackle some of the newer technology features first and foremost. I think it's always going to be that way, but B2B is more rapidly catching up to that than in the past and and not waiting as long to implement that. And last year definitely helped accelerate it. But overall, there is a need where if I can you know, kind of zoom in on a, a 3D model and see accurate parts and engage that. So even if a field service rep is out and looking at, and I think about an HVAC company and someone's out repairing a furnace or, or whatever it may be, and that they can kind of bring up an augmented reality experience and then be able to order right through that experience, exactly the parts that they need. And you're connecting the dots for them. That's huge. That That is just bringing a new level to the ability to one, order accurately and two, be able to ensure that also you tie that to your point, education, and where you can bring content into play here. And, and so many people think, you know, when we talk commerce, we're talking all about commerce and products and transactions, but, you know, content supports so much of that behind the scenes and in front. And that is how you drive people in from search engine optimization to the ability to give them good marketing automation after the fact. B2B is a such a rich space for that because of the constant content and education that you can provide. I think all this leads us back to just kind of talking about all the different systems that come into play. I mean, we talked about just imagery right there and just one partner aspect. We've talked about kind of this, uh, the, the, the rock uh, for B2B big commerce and, and what that provides as additional tools. But then other systems also come into play here. And I think about just some of the projects that we've implemented here at AmericanEagle.com with big commerce where uh, a middleware is needed or we tie into a PIM, a product information manager, and, and just how we utilize those additional systems in the overall e-commerce ecosystem when you're preparing and setting up uh, that approach or you're rebuilding it uh, as you move into a new platform like big commerce. I think one of the biggest ones I just want to talk about is it's kind of been a buzzword for a while is, is, and it's a fun buzzword because there's a lot of fun things created around it, but headless and just with headless and the approach that, uh, you know, big commerce has, it, it's been incredible to see some of our projects come to life for clients where, we were able to just drop the e-commerce experience into a very fluid 
single experience because of the headless approach and what we could do with the big commerce APIs. Anything on on headless that you want to comment on, or, or even just other systems in general that uh, are involved in the B two B space? Yeah, Ooh, headless, right? We could do a whole podcast on headless oh, absolutely. alone. Um, I, I think the the exciting thing about headless is what it allows you to do. I think of a lot of B2B companies that I see online that are exploring e-commerce. It's not that they don't have a web presence, it's that they don't have the commerce portion of it. So a lot of them already have some maybe rich, beautiful education sites that talk about their company, talk about their products, but just don't allow you to shop on. Um, it's mainly a means of, or the start of a marketing funnel to try to bring in new buyers, bring in new awareness that they offer certain products in the market. Um, but where headless is really exciting is you don't have to completely scrap all of that hard work that you put in place, that education, maybe that, um, the SEO that you've already had on that. You can bring in a big commerce, um, a backend system that can help you add commerce to an existing experience or create a whole new um, experience where you can bring in a CMS platform to really like build a rich um, uh, user experience with imagery and content and just tell a story with your product and your company that a traditional commerce platform isn't going to allow you um, to do at the same level as you could with a CMS platform. Um, that is just the tip of the spear when you're talking about all the different systems that are needed or could be needed in any given implementation. I think that's kind of where big commerce has really hung its hat is our openness allows you to have a best of breed approach. You can bring in any system that you already have or are looking to add and use it with big commerce seamlessly. Um, through middleware or through connectors that have already been built and are available to big commerce merchants, um, whether that be the CMS or PIM to, to manage your product information. You know, if you're doing business in multiple countries and you need to serve up different languages and currencies, um, you have people working offline and online and you're managing inventory with ERPs and order management systems. There's a lot of complexities that can go into B2B. And I find that a lot of B2B companies typically start with, all right, here's our tech stack as it is today. How do we add commerce? Who can play well with what we're already doing? Because the mountain that is trying to replace everything to cater to a certain platform is one that a lot of businesses don't want to climb. So as easy as we can make business for them to not have to completely reinvent the wheel, that's where big commerce is seeing a lot of traction and a lot of wins lately is being able to connect with what they're already doing today and making them reach a larger audience online. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a, a good just summary of just kind of the approach and, and, and why e-commerce is such a vital part of the future. And as we look at just the, the, the growth of big commerce over the years and, and our relationship too has just been to continue working to solve the needs of the businesses and not try and fit everyone into a specific square box, but let them extend out into how they need to have it function. But I think that's where also for a SaaS product, right? It's 
merchants need that modern e-commerce technology that's going to still work with all their existing systems and the flexibility that big commerce brings to the table with regards to the APIs and the ability to connect to those existing systems is huge, especially in the B2B space where technology systems are not changed yearly like some B2C companies where B2B companies might have some very, uh, you know, long-term systems that have been in place for a, a while and whether you can connect directly to those, you connect through a middleware, whatever the best solution is that gets architected, Big Commerce has those hooks in place already for the continued growth for that organization overall. And if they don't have them today, then most likely it's going to be on a roadmap in the you know near future as uh, the true needs a- a- arise to what that uh, you know business and 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 overall industry need become. Uh, so I think kind of we covered a lot today. Uh, already. And uh, it's, it's surprising that we're coming up at the end of our, our episode here. But I just want to kind of recap on a few things, kind of where we've been, right? We talked about the relationship selling, uh, the generational aspect of that as well in the B2B buyers uh, space and how the younger generations, millennials are driving new experiences overall. Uh, a great article, uh, and we'll look to put it in the show notes as well, that uh, Big Commerce put out there about um, just the the B2B e-commerce just trends that are happening and uh, a lot of great information in that. Uh, And it was centered around last year, but definitely some key areas there about focusing on new customer acquisition, all the way to demand for a faster B2B order fulfillment, multi-channel selling, et cetera, et cetera. There's so much great information there. I just want to make sure that that's called out. Um, And then as we really look at, it's kind of what we've seen, right? Uh, the changing expectations, I think, is is critical here. And, and, and last year really forced that change of expectation in a, in a good way. Um, and then just how we replicate that B2B sales process, I think, is so critical in these new methods where younger people want to just live chat or just let me just order it through my phone. I don't even want to go onto a laptop or a computer. It's let me do it from my mobile device. Um, how do we you know address that? That's what we're seeing today and how to replicate that sales process. And then Again, a lot of future aspects that we've talked about, but really process automation. You talked about marketing automation as well today where there's just so much where the interactions are now more driven by the choices that someone makes and that we can start to uh, plan those out ahead of time for how we want to continue the engagement with them, which I think is a, a critical aspect. Personalization is always big. We want to make sure we we, we do that. Uh, it's just everyone expects it nowadays and in the B2B space just as much as the B2C space. So it's a, a great one to make sure that we're looking uh, at how to address and deliver upon. And then lastly, just the, the continued just building and partnering. And I think uh, the, the, the B2B tools, they don't always have to be in the platform itself. It can also be a uh, third-party add-on like the Rock for uh, Big Commerce B2B, where you're addressing specific needs inside of Big Commerce, but then the extensibility is there for that future growth and just looking to continue that future growth overall. So, uh, Sean, any any final parting thoughts of wisdom for our listeners? That motivational poster moment in their ear? <laughs> oh, man. That's a, that's a big weight to try to put something out there on the spot. I would, I would say everything that you just mentioned is it's a lot, but it's, it's the reality of where we're at. And I think we'll continue to see B2C driving the innovation that we see on B2B because 
people are every day interacting with businesses online and their everyday personal shopping. And they're going to continue to experience that level of experience, customer service, um, speed of the website and of delivery. I think more and more we're going to see like expectations ratcheted up. Um, and that's going to put a strain on companies that try to keep up. But the ones that are able to adapt and replicate that experience the fastest are the ones that are going to benefit the most. Um, it's, it's a tangled... It's a, let's see. it's definitely something that's going to be complex and it's going to seem daunting, but big commerce is continuing to innovate. We will continue to roll out more and more features native to the platform that will help merchants conduct the business that they're doing um, today and need to do in the future. And in tandem with that, partners like you guys, American Eagle is one of the strongest partners in the big commerce ecosystem. And being able to advise and help a merchant navigate the, the waters of going online and growing their, their B2B business is just invaluable. I mean, you have conversations all day with merchants that are doing all sorts of different things and trying to accomplish different use cases online. And being able to tap into your expertise and talent, I think, is invaluable and something that I would encourage any merchant to do, whether that's with big commerce or any platform, find somebody that's walked in the shoes that you're trying to, to replicate and lean on their expertise um, and allow them to take what they've learned and, and help your business grow from that standpoint. So I, I'm excited for not just what we're doing today, but what's the next cool new thing that's going to change the industry that we're both working in um, and excited to see what we continue to do together and, and, and roll out. So. Again, thanks for having me. I've, I've enjoyed it and uh, look forward to, to many more of these coming down the road for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Sean, again, for joining us on Lessons for Tomorrow, where we discuss insights from past learnings, how to best pivot today to achieve success in the future. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you soon.